You're listening to She's Got Drive podcast, the podcast that inspires women to be the driver in their own lives through the life and story of black women with drive. And I'm your host, Shirley McAlpine. I'm a business consultant, an executive coach, and a leadership facilitator, working with people and organizations to live their lives by design and not default. Welcome back to this week's episode of She's Got Drive. I am excited about this person that I have for you. I have been like following her, not like a stalker, but I have been following her for years and I'll explain how. And really watching her work and and have gone to some of the things that she's organized. So I'm so excited that I'm actually getting to spend some time interviewing her and you're going to love her too. Um, But before we, I get into speaking about who she is and what she's been doing, I want to remind you to do two things. Head over to iTunes and rate and review the show. I'm just getting straight to the point on that one. If you can, it really helps. Come on, you know, you want to. And the other thing that I'd love you to do is, you know, just to remind you to go to my website, download the ebook, which is free on how to be a woman with drive, some exercises there. I want to point you to one particular exercise, which is a visioning exercise. And it's, I'm pointing you to it because it's come up in a number of conversations that I have had with people over the last few, over this last week. It's come up again and again, the importance of visioning, the importance of writing things down. And I have that exercise in that ebook. So please head over to there, download it. And then once you've done the exercise, I want to hear from you. Um, just let me know how you got on and what came out of doing that exercise. So... We have this week, Dee Poku. Now, Dee Poku is a social entrepreneur. She is the co-founder and CEO of WE, which is, a, which is Women, Inspiration and Enterprise, a leadership network whose mission is to support women in their career ambitions by providing real world learning via unique access to established business leaders. She is also the founder of The Other Festival, which is a new platform designed to showcase female makers and creators. The organization has attracted an incredible caliber of speakers to its global gatherings, including Donna Karen, Ariana Huffington, Queen Rainier, Ted Turner, Melinda Gates, um, Nancy Pelosi, Jill Biden, Alec Weck, Tyra Banks, Rosario Dawson, Deepak Chopra, Naomi Campbell, Christy Turlington. The list goes on. Dee began her career in brand marketing and promotions and founded Right Angle, which is a marketing consultancy that specializes in strategic partnerships. She's a former Hollywood studio executive and her background includes senior marketing roles at Paramount Pictures and Focus Features. She currently lives in New York. She's a Brit like me. So that was cool having a conversation with her. And she lives in New York with her son, husband and her son. I give you, you can hear I'm excited, can't you? I give you Dee Poku. Dee, thank you so much for being a guest on She's Got Drive and in this week's episode. I'm so, I can't tell you how excited I am about interviewing you. I've been following you, not like a stalker, but I have been following <laughs> you for a number of years with your work with Women Inspiration and Enterprise, and so I'm excited to get into how you started it and all of that. Well, thank you for having me, and I had to say it's very 
nice to talk to a fellow Brit. It's very comforting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Brits living in the US, right? Yeah, it's exactly. Rare. It's rare. Exactly. We get where we're each coming from. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Um, we came about, I mean, it was really inspired by my own experiences in the workplace. So I spent most of my career in the movie industry. You know, it's a tough business. And I think for a woman and for a woman of color, um, you encounter obstacles um, at various turns and it's you know at that time I didn't really understand the concept of a mentor I didn't really know that that idea even existed but I just knew that you know I wished I'd had someone that I could turn to to ask advice of right um, or that I had a sort of you know a group of people who could you know I could who I could use as a sounding board um, so these were sort of vague needs that I didn't know I could manifest you know, instead, I would just, I figured things out as I went along. And sometimes they were great. And sometimes I had to learn from my mistakes. Uh, when I left the film business, and I was, you know, thinking about, you know, which direction to go in, the idea of creating a network that would support women who um, were in the same position that I've been in just mm. felt like the right place to go. That was really the inspiration behind we. And how did you start it? Where do you begin? Because like, I'm just going to start a network. Let's have, what's the yeah. first thing that you do when you do that? Right. I know what well, I mean, I, you know, in the way that I just explained it, I made it sound a bit more linear <laughs> than it actually was. And as we all know, these things are never, right. um, they're never that way. Um, it's trial and error. You know, the way that this came about was that I was, um, I started a marketing agency and I was doing that and um, I was working with a lot of uh, non-profits and, you know, and just women who, um, with organizations that were focused on advancing women. Um, and there's an event that um, I went along to with my partner at the time and uh, called The Important Dinner for Women. And it was all about women who'd achieved success coming together to give women who were, you know, women who needed it a voice. Okay. And we were all asked to make a pledge. And the pledge that we made was to create an event that would shine a light on women's issues. And so it was, it was designed as a one-off. So we had that sort of first conference and it was a bonanza, you know, we had an incredible turnout. We had some amazing speakers. And this was in the early days of women's conferences. So mm. it was just, it was a fairly new, fairly fresh idea. And people just really, really sparked to it. And we looked around the room and we thought, oh my gosh, there's a there there. Right. And so I ended up taking the idea forward. And it became a network really in response to the feedback I was getting um, from our attendees. And it was that... They loved the annual conference, but they wished that there were more connection points and more opportunities for right. them to meet other women and to hear from these speakers on a more regular basis. And so that's when the switch came about. So do you still do the conferences as well as Not... the monthly events? Because if you explain, can you explain to our, our listeners how we works? <laughs> Not to, so I would say... no connection to that the other WeWorks that we... Yes, yeah. that I have worked at WeWork before. <laughs> um, what we're trying to do is provide a support mechanism for women at every stage of their careers. 
And so initially it was just this one-off conference. And now we have the other festival, which we'll go on to talk about, Mm -hmm. which is really aimed at women at an earlier stage in their careers. We also have our monthly talks and masterclass series, which is really aimed at women who are Mm mid-level. And then we have a, a, a a sort of curated supper club called A Dinner for Ladies, which is aimed at women who are at a more senior in their careers. And yeah. so, I mean, obviously there's mixing and matching in between, like, you know, just because you're a CEO doesn't mean you can't come to a masterclass and, and so on. But right. um, it's really, you know, I feel like we've sort of segmented the three different career stages. And um, so you can, you know, pretty much come to anything um, other than the curated dinners, just because they're aimed, they're smaller and, and aimed at senior level women. But mm-hmm. with everything else, um, you can come to monthly talks, you can come to an annual event, and you can subscribe to the newsletter and get educational, sort of practical content sent to your inbox. So there are, you know, there are a lot of different touch points. Great, great. So anyone who can. And I'll put in the show notes as well some links so that people can sign up to Great. connect to we. Because I know for myself, even though I don't live in New York, <laughs> you know, I have I'm in New York enough. And I secretly hope that there'll be an overlap with the time that I'm in New York with an event. Because I've, when I've been to some events, they've been really, really valuable. The speakers have been great. They've been, you know, inspiration. I leave with some insight into, oh, I could do something a little bit different in the work that I'm doing. So kudos to you for all the work that you've been doing to put it together thank you I mean that's really the goal is you know as I said I mentioned earlier this was really inspired by uh, my own time navigate navigating corporate culture and so everything that we provide is something that I would have wanted and so I think that just makes it more useful and sort of very practical because if I if I wouldn't do it, I'm not offering it to our network. Right. Um, and so you know, and even now think, oh, I have to give a pitch. Maybe I'll do a pitch masterclass. You know, like it's, um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's all interconnected. <laughs> I need to learn something. Maybe I should sit in there myself. Right? Yeah, maybe I'll bring in an expert to help me in under the guise of a masterclass. Right. Can you just share what what was your work before you started? We what did you do and because you talked about coming from the corporate space, but what was it yeah. you doing? What were you doing in the corporate yeah. space? So I spent most of my career in the movie industry, but working for studios, so corporate in that sense. My last job was at Paramount Pictures, and I ran international marketing for um, a division of Paramount. I love the movie business. Like I love movies. I guess I'll qualify that. I love movies. I could sit in a movie theater all weekend long <laughs> just watching movie, and which I used to do, like. Pre-husband, pre-kids, you know, my girlfriend and I would go and plan out our whole weekend around movies and we'd watch like four movies a day till we, you know, watch movies till we were cross-eyed. <laughs> your own Basically. your own film festivals, right? Yes, exactly. My career has always been in sort of, you know, marketing, PR, branding. I had a really, really great time both here in New York and in LA working with some incredible filmmakers. You know, I worked with Sophia Coppola and the Coen brothers and Paul Thomas Anderson and Ang Lee and Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu on films that were really profound and really life-changing. Wow. So that was a really powerful and important time in my life. 
and definitely sort of seeded my interest in sort of social change and working and creating content that creates change. Right. You know, I loved movies. It was also very demanding and I traveled all the time and, you know, obviously you're working on movies, so you're working with personalities, I'll put it that way. <laughs> and so there's a time, you know, which you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the shift to what you're doing now. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Let's come to where you find your sources of development now, because you're a provider of content. So, and uh, so we, we, we jest about that, but where, where do you get it from when we're always the, when we're the one who's sourcing content for others, mm-hmm. how do you source content for yourself and development for yourself? Well, I mean, it's really, it's my job day to day. So I read a lot, obviously, you know, I, I focus my attention on anything related to women and women's advancement. So I just, you know, I'm, I ensure that I'm very informed on trends and um, breaking stories and anything that I think is relevant to the network. So mm-hmm. there are publications that I read, um, business publications like Inc and Forbes and Fortune and Entrepreneur Magazine that are all really useful, women's magazines. And um, there's actually, you know, there's a lot out there that I can source from too much really mm-hmm. um, obviously there's social media and, and just really listening to what the conversations are and what people um, are talking about and then I I'm also out there like I go to women focus events. I mean everything I do revolves around women so <laughs> I go to a lot of talks myself I go to other people's conferences um, I'm always being introduced to and connecting with young women and female, you know, female founders. And so I'm just sourcing, I'm listening and sourcing my information every day from a number of um, different channels. Mm. But what keeps you going in your business? Why, why are you doing this? It's a lot of work. It is. <laughs> what is your it motivation? Is. And the women's space is a big space, you know, so what yeah. is your motivation? Well, you know, when we hosted that very first conference, um, just just in response to that, this idea that the women's space is a big space, which it is, there was so much that, you know, we wanted to talk about that, you know, we covered everything. So from maternal mortality to violence against women to child brides to leadership to like, you, mean, you name it, we had a, you know, we had a talk about it. Right. You know, after the sort of initial couple of conferences, I, you know, I realized that there were women out there who um, were honed in on some of these very specific issues and were more knowledgeable um, than me and were providing, you know, a stronger service because they were sort of focused. Mm-hmm. And that what I felt that I could bring to the table was an emphasis on the workplace and, you know, navigating co- corporate culture we you know the focus of we sort of narrowed you know to what it is today so it's very much about sort of the workplace and we don't cover any other issues outside of that you know the why is you know it's it's who I was and am like it's very much these are these are still issues that concern me every day I'm you know I'm constantly pitching or asking for things or trying to raise money or writing or like you know trying to build my business so these are my day-to-day issues. I'm learning, you know, myself as I go along and using my own learning experiences to support others, but it's personal. 
Mm. It reminds me of designers, you know, fashion designers who say they mm-hmm. say that um, they size their um, clothing on themselves. Like they think about what is it that I want to wear, what's yes. not out there, and could I, if I created it, I could wear it. And so when I hit, when I've read things around Vivian Westwood and read things around um, Oswald Boateng, his whole sizing was just on him, even though he's like. <laughs> quite a tall guy and quite unusual in sizing you know yes. but that that reminds us of that that if I can't find it out there I can I can create it so I could be and that if I'm looking for it then there'll be other people who's looking for exactly. the same thing I would say that often when people talk about we um or when they want to compliment what I'm doing they use the word authentic and I love that and I think that that's because I'm providing a service that I want for myself that I'm speaking from a place of truth and I think that you know when when you approach your work in that way you provide a better service and you're better what you do because um, it's real and it's truthful and you're not making assumptions about what you think people want right I mean it's similar to to my intention around she's got drive it's I Mm -hmm. crave I was craving success stories I was we talk a lot about the challenges that women face, and of course, that's important. But I wanted to come at it from the angle of if we, if I could, if I could talk to more women about how they're doing it, and I can understand what the strategies are, I could find patterns and um, things that they're doing, then we could replicate those things versus always talking about the barriers and the obstacles. Mm -hmm. that are in our way and that conversation absolutely needs to happen without Mm -hmm. a doubt but how can we do it in a different way was why we're seeking it through through she's got drive and that's showing up in the many interviews that I'm doing I'm just leave inspired by the success stories which leads me to my next question for you around (laughs) success you know Mm -hmm. how would you define your success and, or how would you define success in this in in your career in your work? It's interesting how our definitions of success change. You know, I would say when when I was coming up, back when I was in the film business, for me success was very immaterial, and and so you know it was about the nice office and having the disposable income to have things and having the title and, you know, and all those, I guess, more traditional definitions of success. Over the years, as I've grown and matured and had children, got married, and um, and I start to think about what I want my life to be, um, that definition of success has definitely changed. And I need time for myself. I need to feel like I have a, a balanced life, that I have, um, I can spend time with my family, the rat race and that, you know, that sort of crazy hustle is not as interesting to me anymore. I mean, I'm still ambitious and I still want big things, but, you know, just in a different way. Like I want, you know, a balance of a good relationship, you know, a happy child who's thriving. I want to do something that's meaningful um, where I can wake up every morning and feel like I'm doing something that's worthwhile and that's contributing something to society. I didn't really think about those things in, in those terms before. In the so, early days, the focus yeah. was, was different. 
Yeah. And where do you think, do you have, how do you have that happen? How do you create the balance in your work? Because you're t- you take on big things. And so with that yeah. comes pressure yeah. and, yes. and stress. So how yes. do you have that? How do you create the balance? You have to forgive yourself. is is, that's how you create the balance because you can't create the balance and um and you can drive yourself crazy trying to do that and so I just have to say okay so right now I'm a few weeks out from uh, a big event and so I can't be the best wife or the best mother Mm. um I can be right now and in a few weeks, I can be. And um, some days, you know, I'm short-tempered. Some days I'm, you know, I have endless patience. Like I think, and you have to forgive yourself always. Mm. And um, in general, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Virgo. And so I, I think I'm probably quite, I'm a fairly typical Virgo in the sense that I like order and structure. And so I like to segment things and I find that works for me. It's not going to work for everybody, but I like to sort of plan out my days. And, um, and I think that when I feel like my days planned out and I've allocated time to everything I need to do, you know, I definitely feel more, um, grounded, um, and, um, days that are spontaneous and, um, um, less structured put me off balance. Right. So, um, so I think that you, you know, you have to sort of find a mechanism that works for you. I mean, some great advice that I was given by somebody I interviewed, um, Shirley Lazarus, who was chairman of uh, Ogilvy and had four children. So. Um, her advice was, was, you know, that you have to prioritize. So, you know, you can drive yourself crazy trying to, you know, be all things to all people and to have everything aligned perfectly. And actually you have to sort of pick the two or three things that you think are the most important and let right. everything else go. Right. Right. And that's, and that moves. That's at any given time, isn't it? You know, that, that prioritization is what you're speaking about. So what yeah. you're saying is like, right now there's a priority around the event mm-hmm. that's coming, and so that mm-hmm. has you not be able to spend as much time at home. Mm-hmm. But another post the event, then that shifts again. Exactly. Then, so right. it's about being fluid, um, and you know she. But she also she used a kind of very specific, funny example, which was about having a dirty house, and it's like, you know, when you have kids they make a mess right always and so do you want to drive yourself crazy and like, if it's important to you that your environment is neat and tidy like Fine. you know go ahead like enjoy <laughs> but um given that you know no one's coming over it's just you and your family um do you want to spend that hour tidying up or do you want to spend that hour reading with your child like yeah. what's the priority yeah. so it's just kind of thinking about things in those terms like you know yeah it it reminds me of um you know I did some work for on myself my own development Mm -hmm. a couple of just a couple of years ago I was in this like Mm -hmm. parenting 
session and I and we were talking about the standards and ideals that we have as parents mm-hmm. and what I was looking at was my mummy guilt of when I travel and this and the, the suffering that I was kind of going through every time I was leaving so that it meant that I really wasn't present with my children when they said oh mummy I'll miss you I kind of wanted to make it better rather than yes. you know like oh it's okay yes. you're gonna have fun you know it's okay it's really great and I'll just like I'll go through this whole thing <laughs> of convincing them how it's okay that I'm leaving yeah rather than you know I really got actually I could say and I'm gonna miss you you know mm-hmm. I can be present mm-hmm. with them we can be mm-hmm. we can give a hug I don't have to make it better I don't have to make it better for me because I could what's really authentic is I miss them and they miss me it was a huge shift, actually. Yeah. In in that, I no longer hold the mummy guilt in the same in that way mm-hmm. when I'm traveling. It's just like this is what happens. This is the mummy right. that you've got. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. Like you have to forgive yourself and let it go, and also know that they will understand. Because if you're a great mother, um, then your kids know that you love them, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm around at other times. The other the plus of being yeah. an entrepreneur, right, is that I yeah. get to kind of choose other times. What has been your biggest accomplishment to date? Um, so, you know, there, this answer changes depending on, you know, when you ask me. But, but you know, recently I've just been thinking about um, what a monumental step it was actually to leave a um a secure job um with all the sort of perks that that comes with and the security that comes with it and just leap into the abyss and um and and found a company and um you know I think that that was a huge accomplishment because I think you know many people don't do it people talk about wanting to make a big change or start a business and and often they don't um, because it's, you know, it's scary and, you know, um, we have to think about our responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's a hard leap to make. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of myself for that. And I think, you know, particularly sort of given the upbringing that I had, um, which was very sort of traditional, you know, Ghanaian parents and, um, you know, who wanted me to pursue you know a more sort of profession a traditional profession like law or um you know medicine um mm-hmm. and so you know I had that sort of conditioning and um so it was like a it's a very big leap for me to do something that they still kind of don't really understand <laughs> <laughs> what is it you do again uh, <laughs> so my mother just tells me oh you know she does events, so it's been reduced to that. So. <laughs> Don't you just love yeah. them? Love them. Love, love, yeah, love, love them. them. Yeah. So what was, and so, so that is a huge um, accomplishment. As you said, yeah, so lots of people spend their life hoping and, and wishing that they could be doing something different. So it is a huge accomplishment to actually take the leap and, and, and do that. Um, was there ever a time that you thought it was a mistake? No, um, I've never regretted it. Um, I mean, there've been, you know, tough times, right? For sure, but I've never regretted it. I think it's the best thing I could have done. But I also don't regret the time I had before. Right. Like I just think that 
you have to be at peace with the decisions you make. And everything that I did before, my you know, my career um, in film and in fashion was preparation for what I'm doing now. Right. I learned so much that you know there were um, the relationships that I formed um, were all um, preparation for for what I'm doing with we. And so if I didn't have that sort of life experience and didn't have that sort of innate understanding of what it means to work for a corporation and, and right now what it means to found a company, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing mm-hmm. um, in the same way with the same, from the same place of truth. Right. Um, and so, um, but you know, more than ever since having children, what um, I appreciate really is just the, the, you know, the flexibility I can, make my own hours and I can be there when I need to be. And, um, um, I can work all night and, you know, like it's, it's, it's up to me how I want to sort of, uh, plan out my days. And, um, I choose the projects I want to work on. I choose who I get, who I want to collaborate with. And, and I think that was one of the hardest things um, was sometimes when you're working with someone or on something that you didn't fully support or connect to or feel an affinity for. And, um, and you know, for me right now, sort of honesty and truth and authenticity is, is everything. So it's great to, to be able to live my life that way. You talked about uh, some challenge, like there have been some challenges in it. What's been your biggest challenge? Um, fundraising is, um, has always been like, I think number one, I hate asking for money. So it's just something that I'm still bad at. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, you know, just, just, just the day to day of, you know, sort of, you know, funding a business, Mm. um, and just managing the financials. Um, it's, you know, it's hard and, um, it's something I'm still working at. You know, one thing that I would have liked to have done, and it's something I thought about doing, um, when I left my old job was I thought about doing an MBA right. and I wish I had done that. Cause I think it would have been very useful to have the sort of the theory, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously I'm just learning on the job, but I think it would have been interesting to, you know, to be able to sort of um, mix in that theory with, right. you know, the sort of the real day to day. Um, so yeah, that's just something that, you know, um, I'm, I'm working on and working at getting better at is like the financial and right. the sort of financial planning. Right. Well, we've all uh, yeah. got our learning edge in our business and that sounds like that. So <laughs> that's yours. That's yours. Yeah. I'm curious about, you know, you talked about your family, and your upbringing and how your parents, you know, wouldn't, don't fully understand what you're doing. What is it about how you were brought up? That- you know, I was brought up in, in a very secure environment. And even though at the time I may have rebelled against everything, <laughs> in retrospect, you know, it was, it was a secure base, right. um, um, you know, from which to kind of, create from Mm. and um as a black woman um I appreciate the time I spent living in Ghana um in particular because I think 
it was important for me to um, be around those role models, you know, to be in an environment where um, all the professionals were people of color, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, it just it's it, it just becomes normal. It's commonplace. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it didn't feel like there was anything that was beyond my reach or beyond my grasp because, you know, that was you. just my reality. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, so I'm just, I'm very sort of grateful for my, um, you know, my African roots and, you know, just that sort of culture and rootedness, um, which I feel has just sort of served me well over the years. Mm. Um yeah, I mean, I, I, that's I, I, that would be the kind of the, the the main contribution. Right. I it reminds me of, you know, I've been facilitating and doing leadership work for twenty six years, twenty seven, mm-hmm. showing my age, um, and <laughs> that it's been only very rare occasions when I've been in a room where I've been facilitating to. Um, where all the leaders were black, and those were the times mm. when I worked in Angola, in Nigeria, um, in the Caribbean. And there is something else that, that sort of becomes a, that was, it had such a Im- profound impact on me because it was so rare. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a wish for the world to be a little bit different, you know, um, in when we're doing our work in other spaces. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. I, um, I'm wondering what it is about you that has you succeed where others are not. It's one of the questions I ask all my guests because we still have a situation, obviously, where, you know, you are unique mm-hmm. in the number of black women who are successfully leading their organisations, who are working with some of the women that you work with, with you getting, I know you said fundraising is a challenge, but you have, your, your conferences mm-hmm. have been funded by some big mm-hmm. corporates. Mm-hmm. You, sit on your, you sit on a number of boards mm-hmm. and you're influencing the conversation in different spaces. So what is it about you that's having you succeed? I mean, I would say um, the, the, the main sort of contributor to whatever success I've had um, is my refusal to give up um, and to absorb rejection and have it derail me. Mm. So I think that some people, you know, I, I hear no, I mean, I hear now, no a lot now, but you know, I've, you know, I've been hearing it certainly all my life and, but it doesn't deter me. I mean, it, it's not that it doesn't affect me or right. doesn't hurt but it doesn't stop me in my tracks. I just mm-hmm. keep on going, keep sort of energize a bunny, just find another battery. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's important. I think that it can be, um, it can be easy to have your confidence knocked right. when things don't go your way or when people say no to you when you're rejected. And I just find another way or I try a different route. I try a different path. I try a different method. Mm. Um, but you know, I just um, have a drive to continue. I'm on a mission to, I couldn't tell you where, but somewhere. Yes. And, and so um, 
I'm just going. I'm just like I'm on my path, and I'm I, I you know I will continue. And um, so you know, it's definitely you know the advice that I always you know give to young women is like, okay, take the knock on the head um, and get over it quick. Right. Just move on. It's not you know. I think once you realize nothing's personal, I think it's easier um, you know to bounce back from adversity and, and stay on your path. Yes. Um, when you start sort of absorbing things and um, assuming it's about you, um, you you know, you're lost. Yeah. So people, you, you don't get a job because wasn't, you know, they were looking for something that wasn't you, but it's not personal. They're looking for a different sort of person. or di- Like it's... Um, People say no because they're busy. People say no because people just don't respond because they don't see your email. Like there are just like there are so many variations um, on on why um, we encounter rejection, and I think you just have to be at peace with it and don't take it on yeah. as a burden. And so, I I would say that that's the number one. Um, the rule that you know I live by is all right. I'll find another way. I'll find someone else. I'll do it differently. I'll ask somebody else. I'll, I'll come back to you with a different, you know, a, uh, you know, with a different angle on it. Like mm. you know, uh, but but I'll find a way there. Right, <laughs> right. And so there's a moment of um, there's a couple of things in there. I hear that there's the moment of like self-talk where you're you're obviously impacted by what's happened. Be like, okay, it doesn't mean what your mind can make it mean because you can go off into a number of things. This is like, and now what you just get on with it, keep going. What else could I be doing? How else can I make this happen? Um, and so there's a real resilience that you have. Yeah, really. I'm very resilient. And, um, it's an interesting thing, actually, because I've been thinking about, I've been reading a lot of articles um, about grit, you know, mm. and grit's a real buzzword at the moment, particularly when you have children. You know, how do you instill grit? Because it's all that's, you know, the most successful people succeed, not because they were the most talented or, you know, the smartest, but because they had grit. Right. And I definitely feel like I have you know, an abundance of it. And I've been thinking about, how I installed that in my son, mm. you know, and um, I would say some of why I had grit was because no one really was, I wasn't particularly molly coddled, you know, I had to just figure it out. My parents loved me, but it wasn't like, there wasn't that same affirmation that we give our children, yes. you know, like I hate my son to, I hate him to hurt his finger, you know, right. like it's like, um, we're constantly there um, as a safety net. Um, and you know, I don't know that I sort of, I had that in the same way. It was like, pick yourself up and get on with it. Um, and I don't, I don't choose to parent in that way. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's an interesting idea to explore, Mm. um, you know, how you, you know, where resilience and, and grit comes from. Yeah, because you're no. so you're saying that that resilience and grit has come from from 
how you were parented and, and how you, you experienced life at an earlier age. And if we're not doing that in the same way, where can they learn that? Um, I mean, it's a combination of but, both. I mean, I would say some of it is me. You know, some of it's like, this is, this is my DNA, this is right. how I'm made. Um, and then some of it is certainly um, my upbringing and my environment, you know, moving around a lot. Like, you know, all those things, I think, contribute to the whole. Mm. Yeah, great. I love that. I remember, I feel like, uh, I remember when my <coughs> careers teacher said to me, that he didn't think that I could go to university. Mm. And I remember like thinking, what? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll show you. Yeah. And that was, that's me, you know? And right. so, yeah. And there are others who, and I, I can hear that in moments where I've been confronted by certain feedback, shall we say, you know, in certain spaces. And I, I think one of the other things that you said was really powerful is that it's not personal. It may feel personal. Mm-hmm. But what's not personal is they just actually don't see you as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a point where they don't mm-hmm. see you. And then others, well, they're getting on with their day. You know, they've, they've got other priorities, they've got other things that are important to them. And it's just, yeah, so. Because yeah. people are like, what do you mean it's not personal? It felt personal. <laughs> it feels really personal. But it's not. They're doing their thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, and if it's, I mean, if, if it is personal, do you want to be working with that person? Do you want to be connected to that person? Like if someone, if someone makes you feel bad and it's personal, think about whether that's the environment right. you want to put yourself in. Right. You want to move on anyway. Right. Correct. You want to move on anyway. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. I am um, curious about if you reflect on your learning over the years, you know, what would you advise yourself? the younger you, the younger D, with all the wisdom that you have today? Gosh, so much. Um, I mean, I was, I was a very, um, I was very insecure um, person. Like it's, so it was interesting, actually. I was secure in my brain, in, in my, um, I felt I was smart. Like, you know, and that had always been instilled in me. Like, you know, use your brains, you're smart. So, like, I felt good about that part. But I was definitely insecure about looks. But, like, you know, the way that young girls do, um, and you let that sort of impinge on everything else. Like, you let the way you feel about your physical self affect the way you approach life, you know. So that's why, you know, often with we, you know, um, we try to sort of approach the whole woman because if you if you don't feel strong about who you are from the inside, it's how it's hard to sort of project whatever it is that you want to be um, outwardly. Right. And so, um, I guess I would tell myself that looks don't matter, and um, and and that I'm beautiful. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, you know, I think. Um, we really sort of nitpick and um, when we're young and we, you know, there's a lot of comparing done. You know, I had a lot of friends who were, um, you know, 
blonde and slender and like you know there was just like a, there's a physical type that I'm not you know mm-hmm. and um and so you just you're just trying to you know um you, you box yourself in to something you you'll never be and and that you you know you should never want to be you should sort of love yourself so I guess I would tell myself to to, to love who I am because now I love who I am yeah. but um you know I, it's it was just a waste of energy so did the love in who you are come from your experience of being in Africa again you know I'm not sure how mm-hmm. you I'm mm-hmm. not sure how you because you were you're from the UK tell me just a little mm-hmm. bit about that that journey like. Um, I was born in the UK. I lived in Ghana um, when I was young. So this was all later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went back to the UK. Okay. Um, so I was only, I was in Ghana for about six years. Okay. Um, as, a, as a kid. Right. Um, and so the loving myself, I don't know, it's a process, you know, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's like telling a girlfriend to leave her awful boyfriend. Like, she has to come to that realization herself. <laughs> right. 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 Um, and so, I, I think it's the same thing. Like, you have to. You have to. You find that yourself. Yeah. You know, as you experience life, and um, as you mature, and as you. Um, get a you know better sense of who you are and mm. who you want to be and what's important um so i you know i think it's 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 ultimately it's about like appreciating your strengths for what they are right. um and not obsessing about the flaws such as they may or may not be <laughs> yeah the you know. scene seeing you know when you shared about it as well it points to the the images of beauty that we are shown and from a very young age and more we say in socialization more is caught than taught you know Mm -hmm. and so we don't even know it's having that impact until it's having that impact Mm -hmm. and then yeah and exactly and it's like it's not that I wanted to be a different you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be somebody else. Like I was mm-hmm. happy to be an African woman, but I think that, um, you know, society tells you, you know, you should have this body type and right. you should look this way right. and young girls, you know, you just take that on board. And so you don't, you know, I just, I'm, you know, I, I have a, but I'm not going to look that way in jeans. And, you know, and now we have like Beyonce and Serena yes. and like all these amazing women, um, reminding us of that, yes. but I, I don't know that there were the same role models back then. So. No, well, in the early days, I think we're around <clears throat> the same age. Maybe in those days, you didn't even see many people on TV. Right, right. You didn't have social media and all of that kind of stuff. Right. So you never saw them on magazine covers in a shop. It, mm-hmm. they, there wasn't a presence of them in our lives in the same way. And so we, it was very limited. And, and so the impact of that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then so the seeing of ourselves in a beautiful way, as you said, is a journey that, that 
Unless we had, it depends on our upbringing, but it was certainly a journey. It depends for many. on your upbringing. Yeah. Do so what's next? So the thing I'm most excited about right now is the festival I founded last year called the Other Festival, and it's a two-day entrepreneurship-focused festival, and it's all about celebrating female makers and creators. But it goes beyond corporate it's actually more creatively driven Mm -hmm. so there are it's design and art and culture and food and um and so it's aimed at women who create and um who are at whatever you know they can be at an early stage or like um already be some some way along Mm -hmm. um and over the two days, you will experience some of what you would have at We, the, the you know the panels and you know the masterclasses, and all those great talks. So they're very sort of practically driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll learn digital marketing, you'll learn storytelling, and you'll learn how to fundraise and all that good stuff. Right. Um, but you'll also connect with the work of other creators. And so you know we have female-led bands, and we have art from female artists and we have chefs um doing demos and um their installations and activations and um and there's more space and time to meet people and just go and huddle in the corner and just connect with people who are doing great things um so it's very sort of um interactive um so it's less of just sitting in a room Mm -hmm. and it's more about experiencing and being and connecting, um, and it was an amazing, amazing couple of days. So I'm very, very excited about that. So it's on October 14th and 15th in Brooklyn. So come Great. down. Yes, yeah. And then where where can they find out? Where can you buy tickets for? So you can festival? buy tickets on the website. Um, it's at theotherfestival.co. Okay. So dot co. Dot co. Well, again, I'll put that link in the show notes as well so people can link there and is there anywhere else that they can find you get a hold of you if our listeners want to to track what you're up to d um well i you know i'm kind of um i'm newly excited about social media mm-hmm. like i poo-pooed it for so <laughs> long um but now i'm like you know i'm really loving i've been using instagram a lot and it's just been a great space for me to express myself or you know express my feelings about things right um so follow me there and um you can connect to me there um at d-e-e-p-o-k-u okay great great well it sounds the other festival sounds unusual and different hence the name you know it's like i could i can i wanted to come last year i couldn't i'm planning on being there yet this year because it is, it's different. It feels there's a vibrancy as you describe it. It's just mm-hmm. so wonderful. Dee, thank you so much for sitting in the guest chair this this week. I'm, I just love what you're doing. I love the work that you've done over the years. And thank you for all of that. Because it takes something to come out with those events over and over and over again. And just inspiring all those women to step up. It's just amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I really enjoyed this, Shirley. It's actually been great fun. Feels like I was just chatting with a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The only thing was missing was a cup of tea. Yes. 
cup of tea and a crumpet. <laughs> thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And thank you for all that you do to shine a light on women. It's important that we do that for each other. I hope that you've been inspired to shift gears in your own life. I love this interview with Dee. And one of the things that I loved about it, there were a number, there always is, but one of the things I loved about it is that she had a successful career um, in a place where lots of people say, why, why would you leave that job? You know, why would you leave that? And to leave that successful career, to, to follow her passion, to follow her purpose, to set up, to take a risk, to set up her own entity and to kind of just follow that because of the importance of doing work that you love to do work that you want to wake up to it's just like completely rocks and it's so inspiring and to have some really practical tips that she is giving away for many women tools tips strategies information access to people that she would want she's curating that experience for others and has a measure of its success or whether it's useful it's like using herself as a gauge you know I love that I love that and so you know I you know I just love it love 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 it so thank you Dee for those inspiring ideas and for for all the work that she does all the work that you're doing is just awesome I always love to hear from you. Head over to She's Got Drive Facebook page to leave comments there. You can always message me on my Instagram on Shirley McAlpine Consulting. Please contact me there or you can go to ShirleyMcAlpine.com. Send me a message via my website. Leave comments under the podcast, pay on the podcast page as well. Be in communication. Let me know what you're getting, what insights, what you're taking on any actions you're 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 doing anything from the exercise remember the visioning exercise to the you know get up to this week she's got drive is produced by cassandra voltolina the music is by the awesome female band blonde i thank you again for listening go well and stay well